Welcome, welcome, welcome to Nodes in the Net, a weekly tangential irreverent conversation that caters to the interests of liminal trickster mystics that inhabit intellectual and new agey kind of spaces. On today's episode, we have my favorite Discord witch, Lily. But before we get to that, uh, let me point out that Nodes in the Net is a Creek Mason podcast, lives at creekmasons.com, along with some of my writing about media, metaphysics, and metamodernism. And you can find ways to contact me at creekmasons.com, tell me about uh, what you think of the episode, guest suggestions, book suggestions, whatever you got, I'm interested. And you can also uh, follow us on Twitter, where we're at Nodes in the Net and at Creekmasons. And uh, follow us on TikTok, too, uh, where we're at Creek Masons. And that is where you'll find posts of intros, like the one you're about to hear. Writing, ranting, and recording podcasts comes with a dark side for me. Compulsive, anxious fan fiction about reality, also known as paranoia. It's painful, but I think it's meant to teach me something. It's two sides of the same coin. If I'm in the zone, what New Agers call high vibration, my gift for pattern-seeking and narrative equips me to be a creative. Left out too long, every steak spoils, and green meat will always make you sick. According to the Kybalian, rhythm compensates. So when I eventually transpose the same creative music into a lower octave, the ever-present miasma of fear causes me to invent or recontextualize a vague, faceless entity maybe the CIA, KGB, some other three-letter combo, or (laughs) Google's parent company Alphabet that is charged with keeping me in line. And see, that's usually the shape it takes. Maybe because of proximity, my paranoia tends to be about my creative pursuits. Alternatively, I might be inventing a patriarchal obstacle. Uh, Women almost never become a part of my scared narratives. Because growing up, I had a complicated relationship with my dad, Adult Jeff has moved past it. It's not all his fault, after all. If I had a growth mindset as a child, having it pointed out that I could always do better would have spurred me to achievement instead of making me feel like I was never good enough. But it could also be that I experienced this yank on my leash by my cosmic walker because I'm pulling too hard towards something that isn't good for me. As much as I want to eat the cat food by someone's front door, my higher self recognizes it's not actually for me, and it'll probably give me the shits. I incarnated as a white male during the decline of supremacist patriarchy. I think one of my main lessons here is to figure out how, if I have any wisdom, to teach without teaching, to share the spotlight, to contribute to the advancement of society by simply being. Privilege has granted me material security, abundance, and comfort. I have a stable foundation, so what am I going to build on it? New Age is a distinctly white middle-class movement, and I think I know why. The channeled beings that dictate the scriptural backbone of New Age philosophy tell us to focus on agency, self-improvement, acceptance of reality, and spirituality. That message is one financially comfortable white men like myself need to hear. Unlike people who have marginalized identities, our problems are pretty much only our own faults. And the ethical way for us to help heal the world is to heal ourselves and let others bask in our own self-confidence and self-love. We need to act on that wisdom while also recognizing it applies uniquely to us. I was 99% sure that there was a hex that was going to prevent us from, like, ever recording after multiple reschedules and (laughs) microphone difficulties on my end and just, for some reason, some sort of block to me uh, communicating effectively to you. (laughs) That's Uh, all right. We're here now. That's what matters. We're here now. Uh, And in Ram Dass's words, that's where we should be. We should be here now. All the time. It's the only place we ever are. 
Right. Yeah. Because the past and and future are just uh, concepts, right? They're just imaginary. Yeah, we can't be there. Uh, we <laughs> we're just here, always here now. <laughs> and yeah, as soon as uh, we get to the future, we're we're back in the now. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here with you. Let's draw some tarot. Ooh, uh, so this is probably, you can see the card if you're in the Creek Mason server. It's in the divination channel. Um, but this is this is probably the card that I draw more often than any other card, the Queen of Cups. Ooh. Um, I, I feel like I've gotten a tarot reading from you, but I know you don't spend a ton of time... Um, like keeping yourself like up to date with tarot meanings or whatever. Uh, but the associations I have with this card, and it's like it's a woman in kind of like a white flowy dress of some kind, and she's sitting on a throne that's like right on the beach, maybe on an island. Uh, there's water that's kind of like rippling all around her. She's got one foot in it, one foot out of it. And she's holding the only closed cup in the entire suit of cups in the Rider Waite deck. And the the reason it's closed, according to most interpretation sites that I've seen, is that uh, she's relying on her inner knowledge of her own emotions and not like she's not gonna like spill her emotions rampantly and out of control or um, allow other people to kind of uh, put their own ideas of what her emotions are into her. She's relying on intuition. Uh, she's balanced emotionally. And it's like it's a card about compassion and um, like diplomacy. And yeah, it's like it's a, it's a common card that I get in love readings that people have requested for me, especially on TikTok, uh, which I always take to be a good sign. You you kind of want that Queen of Cups energy in your relationship. It's a kind of a it's kind of a synchronicity for me. Um, the whole Ooh. when you were talking about the cup and how it's closed because she doesn't want people to be able to put what they want to in it. You know, like she wants to control what goes in her cup. Um, right now, I don't know if you know Nothi, um, also from the DTFH server, but uh, me and Nothi are reading the book called Changeling, a book of qualities. It's a newer book by Aiden Watcher. And it's mm. basically um, has all of the qualities of witchcraft um, listed in it. And we're trying to go through all the qualities and like see what qualities we hold for ourselves. And right now, um, right now I'm working on the quality, uh, a witch sits like a stone, but my previous quality was a witch is a vessel. And my thing that I needed to work on was not allowing other people to put as much into my cup as I have been letting them. Because ah. I just I just keep letting people put whatever they want in there. And uh, it's filling <laughs> up with too many things that aren't good for me. So... <laughs> yeah. I need, yeah, I need you gotta to be keep more those... like the queen. Yes. You have to keep your psychological defenses up. I, uh, I know you do a lot of sigil magic. Is that the approach that you took to be more, like, witchily self-contained in this situation? No, I didn't really do any magic about it. I was just more so assessing my my boundaries. I guess I kind of did do some magic. I tried to write, raise some like energetic boundaries as well as just asserting my actual IRL boundaries. But nice. um yeah, I I don't think this is the kind of situation that sigil magic really works best in. Mm, what would you say is the best situation for sigil magic? Because mine has not been working. Uh, attracting things is, in my experience, what sigil magic works best for. It's uh, symbols really get things attention. You know, it's easy to draw attention in when you use sigils. So that's usually what I use them for. Yeah. So like to manifest material situations or material objects, is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, in, 
some ways, I suppose. Sometimes, I, I mean, the last reason I used a sigil was to get the attention of an entity or a deity. So I, you know, I, it's also, I wouldn't count that as a material thing, you know, that's no. very ethereal. Yeah, the, like, literal opposite of material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. And so, but for the, uh, for the Queen of Cups energy, uh, you focused on, like, setting boundaries and uh, being more uh, diligent about, like, holding them, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's still something. We only are working on each one for a week, so I'm still thinking about that and holding it in my forefront, the forefront of my mind, you know? I'm still continually seeing where I need to work on um, asserting my own boundaries and where I can get rid of things in my vessel that I haven't previously needed that people have put in there for me. Yeah, that's that's really funny because like uh, a big exercise, I think I you have reacted to it on probably one of the servers I've spammed it on, but a big exercise that I've been doing for a while now is this like shadow work ritual where I am uh, like charging water with the intention to kind of release a shadow characteristic and transmute its like core essence into like a positive reframing of it so instead of saying i don't know if i can come up with an example off the top of my head but like basically instead of saying i'm gullible uh like you know gullibility is something that i would never admit to uh feeling uh although it is probably genuinely a part of me um this is a good example because it's like right in line with what we're talking about. That's fun. Uh, so like gullible uh, is the negative way of framing it, but you could also frame it as trusting. So I, uh, I do a little ritual to release gullibility and then drink water to infuse myself with trusting energy. Um, and I, throughout all of these, it, the common thread, it seems to have been that there are things that like, I didn't choose. I didn't, I didn't, I never wanted to be gullible, but uh, for whatever reason, you know, my programming has uh, brought that forward in me or instilled that deep within me. Um, and it's frustrating to feel like you are uh, not in full control of your own agency, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, I'm probably too trusting yeah. all the time, but I I don't know. Even no matter how many times that I get burned because I'm too trusting, I just don't want to stop being like that. You know, I just I don't want to give up on that part, that like hopeful part of me. That's like maybe there's good stuff in all of the people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't either. There was an episode of uh, Russell Brand's show where he had Brene Brown on, and she was asking whether he thought uh, people in general are like doing their best, and he answered right away, yes. <laughs> and I I w I feel that way too. I think that people are generally doing the the best that they can, and I I would prefer to assume good intentions at all times. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I have to admit to myself that there are, you know, people who don't have good intentions, uh, but I don't, even those people, I just kind of feel bad for them, and I don't, I don't really hold it against them that their intentions aren't pure or whatever my standards are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but how do you deal with people who have bad intentions? Like, what's your, what... What can you even do in that situation? Do you encounter, have you encountered people like that? Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there are a lot of people who probably don't like me very much, even though I try my best to be kind and, you know, um, good to everyone. But a lot of times when you, when you run into people who have bad intentions and you are the opposite of that, <laughs> like hmm. I, 
I don't ever have bad intentions. I always approach people with the best intention I can because I love everyone and I want to be friends with everyone and I'm kind and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, But some people, you know, when you approach certain people with that mindset, they get offensive Um, or defensive. I mean, you know, they go they go into defense mode because they're intentions are not that and they feel threatened by your kindness um and there are some people that i know that are like that and they actively try to disarm me in any situation i run into them in and in those cases i just let them i mean it's not i just try to kill them with kindness i guess is what i'm saying i i'm not ever going to let those people get to me. I'm not going to become them because they're doing that to me. I, like Mm. I said before, I mostly just feel bad for them that they feel that they have to react to me that way. Uh, It's not, (laughs) they can't hurt me unless I let them. So I don't let them hurt me, but I am not going to try and stop them from doing whatever they feel they need to do. Yeah. Right, which is, I think, you know, uh, uh, I I was remembering back to one of the early episodes of Nodes in the Net uh, earlier uh, because some other person was listening to it and had a reflection for me. But um, one of the earliest episodes, JT and I were talking about um, boundaries and how essentially what a boundary is is like i'm going to demand that i only do x y and z with my body and my consciousness and like often the way people frame boundaries is like you can't do this to me um but what you just described is is sort of the healthier way to look at it i think or at least potentially the only effective way to look at it, uh, which is where instead of saying like, you can't, you need to stop doing this to me, that's my boundary, you say, I won't react or I won't, um, you know, I won't play into it, right? Yeah, there's a difference between saying you can't do this and saying I'm not allowing you to do this to me. So... I mean, I can't stop someone from doing something. I can't force anyone to do something, but I can protect myself enough that if they do try to do that thing, I don't want them to, it's not going to affect me. Do you, like, can you, like, are you seriously that much of a super person, a super woman, a super whatever you are, (laughs) that you can, like, you have that control? Can you, like, do you have success with that? Yeah, I I I don't have to be affected by anything unless I choose to be. And it's a we have so much more control over ourselves than people want to admit because they a lot of people don't want the responsibility of being in control of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that extends to what other people do to us too. And how we respond to what other people do to us and how we react to situations. And in a situation where someone is doing something that I don't like and I want them to stop, I will just leave the situation. It's, it's not hard to walk away from anything. Uh, just mm. remove, you just got to remove yourself from the situation if it's really that terrible. You know, if it's something that's so threatening to you that you can't just sit there and take it, then leave. And I don't know, I've never, I have never been in a situation where someone is doing something to me and I can't, I either have to be affected the way they want me to, or I can't get away from it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so simple. You just, uh, you vote with your feet, kind (laughs) of. Like, I think that's what the fight-or-flight reaction is for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the effective time to flee is, uh, I guess. Yeah, that's like an, it's an option that's always available. But 
you you know you, you're right i so i'm an anarchist right but okay. uh i i often wonder i often conclude even <laughs> that w- as a society we're nowhere near ready for anarchy like the idea of an anarchist revolution is absurd to me because people like you said don't want control over themselves ultimately a lot of people would not like to take responsibility for their own actions to the degree necessary that they could be given maximum autonomy. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and yeah, definitely. I, I 100%, like, what for some reason it didn't click until just now as you were talking, but I don't think that, I think I belong in that camp too. Like, I, I've always considered myself, like, ready for anarchist autonomy, but... Uh, especially as I've been engaging more with my shadow, uh, I, I do frequently feel amazed by people who are able to consistently do things on purpose without, you know, their programming or their, um, you know, their outside influences, like kind of taking the wheel for a minute, you know, like I, it's, I, I had this moment the first time I did acid where uh, my friend, like, I think all he did was complete a sentence, which was impossible to me on acid. And, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and I was like, wow, how are you doing that? And he's like, doing what? And I said, things on purpose. (laughs) And that's been kind of the theme of my adult life is like trying to integrate that moment of um epiphany where like i realized that i i wasn't doing things with intention i wasn't behaving as an adept i was behaving as a meat machine you know like a reactive kind of um programmed uh you know like like Gurdjieff says, like we're we're part machine and part spiritual, and the process of like a contemplative life is getting the spiritual side to have more sway and and being able to do things with intention and on purpose. Um, most I think that most people don't act with intention. Like I, there are people I know that will never go a day in their life thinking about the things they're doing. They just do them. And they're not living intentionally at all, and they never will. Um, and it's very hard for people to take a step back and reflect on their actions, their things they say. The you know, self-reflection doesn't just come naturally for a lot of people who are just milling about society, doing their jobs and living their lives or whatever. Yeah, but is that is that not solipsism? Do you know what I mean? Like the the uh, there's an XKCD comic where like it's a it's a tableau of a bus and every person in every seat is thinking to themselves, "I'm the only thinking person in a sea of autonom- automatons," and you know, like don't sort of all of us feel like we're the only real human and everyone else is just kind of going through the motions? You know, you've said this to me before, and. I kind of think that that's a very narcissistic way of thinking. Um, it's it's very self-centered, and I don't think like that. I um, I think that there. I mean, there's other thinking people out there clearly, and I think that you know most <laughs> most people are are thinking, but they're not reflective about their thinking. You know. Um, and I'm just speaking from experience, like the most of the adults I know in society, like the the people outside of like the magical or spiritual spe- spheres I'm in, um, they they don't have a lot of big thoughts. They think about, you know, like the weather or they think about their job or they think about what they're going to do tomorrow or bills or whatever but they're not they're not thinking about uh, the way 
their actions are affecting other people. They're not thinking about the way their actions are affecting themselves. A lot of people don't think about the things they say before they say them. You know, these kind of self-reflective things of what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What are, why are we here? All of those things. A lot of people don't think about that kind of stuff. And even though they are thinking about themselves, it's not in a way that's more that's like bigger than mundane you know yeah yeah so i i guess um i mean like the the way that you framed it just now is sort of like a big thoughts versus little thoughts but i want to highlight that one of the things that you said was a big thought is the way that our actions impact the people around us. And, uh, you know, like there's, there's like the big lofty philosophical concepts of like, why are we here? Uh, But then there's also the like big interpersonal issues, like, you know, choosing my words carefully so that I don't uh, do undeserved harm (laughs) to anyone that I'm talking to or I I don't know my my objective would be to never do harm I don't really believe that it's ever deserved but you know that's sort of tangential the point is um even those like interpersonal self uh self-aware the interpersonal self-awareness is um something that like I just I have so much trouble believing that there are people who aren't socially anxious. I mean, I'm sure that there are people that are socially anxious, um, but it doesn't mean that they're doing any better to not hurt people. <laughs> you know, uh, I I just well, I the amount yeah, of no of, like you know like the amount of people adults I know that are so terrible at communicating with other people is a tremendous like a, a huge amount. <laughs> of the adults that I know. And I say adults because I don't blame children at all for any of their slights, you know, like they're still learning, their brains are developing. But if a fully grown 40 something year old adult cannot communicate properly with anybody in their life, and it's just constantly causing problems for them, which is way more people that I know than you would expect. um, I mean, there's gotta be something that they're not thinking about there. You know, there's there's yeah. got to be some kind of thought processes that are missing from their day-to-day thinking. And that's, I mean, it's just evident to me that a lot of people aren't thinking about those kind of things. Yeah. I'm going to trust you on this one, I think. I'm going to have to because I'm so, uh, I guess, isolated, you know. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know people outside of like my immediate friends who are all super anxious and always trying to like do better and, and not cause harm. Uh, like their anxiety is pretty much all the people I'm friends with in meat space have like a level of anxiety that causes them to be hyper aware of their uh, interactions and a, like a desire to kind of... Uh, ameliorate the anxiety in some way by preventing conflict with the people around them, which they do by uh, being very careful with their language or being very observant with their empathy or, you know, just like communicating effectively, you know, like, except for, you know, like maybe some people in my family or something like that I, I could think of who, uh, are maybe set in their ways a little bit more and it's harder for them to, um, you know, like have that kind of experience. But like in terms of like broader society, the only people that I really interact with are like DTFH alumni, <laughs> you know, from the DTFH server. And so yeah. it's... Uh, pretty, a lot of those people are pretty self-aware too. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what, when I, uh, so I didn't discover the DTFH until Midnight Gospel came out, and I joined the server maybe just a handful of months after that, Uh, like Midnight Gospel, I I feel like I talk about all the time, it was life-changing, but um, 
that was one of the things that like really blew me away when I finally joined the DTFH server. Like I, I joined it and then within like 30 seconds, I had been uh, mentioned, you know, in the general channel three times, people saying like, welcome home and you found your family. And it was just like very culty behavior that I I really like. I really loved. But then like over the next couple weeks, I would I was like having conversations with people here and there. And everyone seemed like super self-aware and thoughtful and just like really. And it felt like I found my people finally, Uh, like through Midnight Gospel. I had finally been represented in media, truly, not just like superficially because everyone is uh, average looking white guy, you know. Uh, but like true representation in that there was like occult interests and um, you know like the complex thoughts about drugs and all of this you know uh, fun stuff that I've always been really into and so that that was that was an exciting moment for me um, so yeah that's I want to use this as a as a a pivot point to talk less about people that we uh, don't vibe with and more about people that we do vibe with. Because I know that like you've right. got your your server and we've, we both come from the DTFH server and we're both, you know, Creek Masons. You're in the Creek Mason server. So hey, like, indeed. yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, what do we, what do we think about, uh, how can, how can we apply the Queen of Cups to that situation? Like, it's the emotional balance or intuitiveness or I don't know. Like what, what does that bring up? The natural camaraderie that I have felt with some of the people I've been meeting on discord lately is, has been just like phenomenal. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just such a natural flow, you know, like I'm in this um, discordian uh, server and it's uh, all mostly chaos magicians and they are <laughs> all so wonderful i have never before the dtfh i mean the D- since the dtfh i have never entered a server and just immediately connected with every single person there um which is yeah how it's happened in this one and it really like restored some hope for me because I, for a while I was feeling like, man, maybe social media really sucks and it's not good for anyone. (laughs) And uh, we're all just like in a spiral of doom on the internet. And now I'm like, Hey, it's uh, you can make friends and actual friends, like real ones that you hang out with and go on their podcasts and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, I wonder who you could be talking about. <laughs> I, I have no idea what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are friends. And, like, I mean, uh, there's, like, I mean, JT is the other, like, super obvious example. But, like, everyone who I've had on the podcast so far, uh, I've met through this, like, web of Discord communities that belong to the like liminal trickster mystics but discordianism is like a whole new wrinkle so like what it what is that server organized around um it's it was created originally so that this group of people would have a place to like hang out and get together during the pandemic um like when it was deep in the shit and we couldn't go outside and stuff and yeah um and so it's only been around for a couple of years, but it is just surrounded around like their interests and chaos magic and magicians in general. Um, and there's like three different book clubs and they watch movies every Friday night. And there's Mm. just, it's, it's a really great place. And they're all, I mean, almost all of them are discordian, uh, discordians i don't know what the uh, <laughs> what the plural version of a discord cordian person is i don't yeah but um they're all into that stuff and i am when i first joined i wasn't super familiar with discordianism i don't i don't vibe hella hard with eris um 
a lot of them really like Eris, the goddess, but I, I'm more on like Loki level. Reynard the Fox. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, no, he's from. He's but like these, a these are all like French. trickster trickster gods, right? Yeah, I mean that's what Discordianism is all about. I guess to an extent that's what chaos magic is all about too. Is the the trickster vibe? You know, that's what discord is it's uh sowing chaos yeah so you uh have you heard this uh theory that like um you know in ancient greek times when one tribe would conquer another tribe or they'd be in like conflict it uh they they would like they would they would literally carry like their gods into battle with them and they would have like a statue of one god, and the other would have the statue. And it, it, the battle itself would determine which god was superior. And then the the losing people would often like try to sneak into the other camp and steal their god, like steal the totem, the idol, and uh, and bring it back. And then they would kind of like merge and decide that their uh, gods are all like basically the same pantheon. It's just different names for them that different societies have. Um, and so like this, this idea in the Bible, I guess that there's like one true God and you shall have no false idols before me. And like that monotheism, you know, riff, I guess is like sort of very different from the polytheism that came before it, which allowed for, all cultures gods to be real at the same time and for uh you to believe when you encountered another culture that it was the same gods just with different names anyway that's a long way of saying or of leading into uh you know might eris and loki be the same metaphysical entity or like what what separates them in your mind that you prefer one over the other uh, well, I actually really do believe that all of these entities go back to primordial energies. And so chaos is a primordial energy. Actually, chaos was the first Greek deity. Um, and from her came everything. Uh, and so, like, I believe that all deities trace back to their original prime um primordial energies. So Eris and Loki are the same in a sense, but they're different aspects of the same thing. Eris is very violent. Um, she, everywhere she goes, she wreaks destruction. Um, people feared her. You know, you, she, her name was not to be mentioned and stuff like that. You don't want to invoke Eris because she's dangerous. Uh, Loki, mm. Loki is a little different sure he can be dangerous but he's mostly just selfish he's mostly just kind of bratty he um he can do harm sure but he's less volatile than eris um i actually much much prefer reynard the fox who is uh from french folklore and he's a trickster he's clearly a fox but he's kind of scary he's also i mean all tricksters have the capacity to be violent um that's the nature of chaos you don't know if it's going to harm you or not uh but reynard mm. is sneaky and he's uh he's like the kind where like you'll be petting him one minute and it's, everything's good oh look it's a cute little fox and then he bites your fucking hand off or something <laughs> um, <laughs> which i kind of like that um out of the blue nature of tricksters it took me a really long time to accept that i am very trickstery in nature um i rejected it for years and years um and when i finally accepted it I realized that tricksters had been following me around forever and I was just like actively ignoring them on purpose. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. It's the, it, uh, I love that connection. The archetypical energy of chaos is what makes a trickster a trickster. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a few different kinds of tricksters. There's, like, the goofy, jokey ones that are, like, fun-loving and stuff. And then there's the selfish ones who are just out to, like, for their own gains. And then there's, like, the malicious, dangerous ones that are out to hurt everyone and anyone they can with their chaos. And I think that most tricksters are a mixing and a blend of all three of those things. They've got a little bit yeah. of all of them in them. It's just different levels, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, to, like, paraphrase, it's like you got your mischievous tricksters, you got your, uh, like, chaos is a ladder tricksters, <laughs> and you, you got the, like, the Joker from the Dark Knight uh, movie uh, who, like, just wants to see the world burn, basically. Uh, what's what's the balance of those things in you and in in <laughs> you know if you identify as a trickster, uh, how much do you want to see the world burn versus how much do you just want to cause petty mischief? Um, I think that I I push down my uh wanting the world burn to burn uh tendencies because. It's not good for anyone. For a long time, I let the more uh, dangerous trickster aspects of myself run free. And it damn near ruined my life, honestly. Mm. So I have to like keep those things in check. There's a lot of stuff inside of me that nobody will ever see outside of me. And... Unless people, like, get to know me, they don't even know it's there because I'm good at wearing masks, which I think that all tricksters should be good at wearing masks because um, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of, that's a big part of it um, is hiding your true identity. But, yeah, I mean, I, I am the kind of person who I mostly have Facebook so that I can start arguments in random groups I'm in because I think it's fun. Um, so <laughs> yeah, just throw in the, the apple of chaos. chaos out is I just, uh, I so discord on the internet, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's non-consequential discord, you know, is what's a petty argument with someone on Facebook and then I log out for the day and I'm done and it's cool. So yeah. it's never heavy or serious. I'm mostly just the, the jokey kind at this point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like you said earlier, you're you're killing people with kindness, not with fire. <laughs> I guess. I think I lost you. Do I still have you? Hello? Hello. There you are. I don't know what just happened. Can you hear me? It said that you were not on Discord anymore, and then my entire browser shut off, and then it turned back on. <laughs> Weird. It's very strange. Uh- <laughs> Speaking of tricksters, I wonder what's going on there. <laughs> wow. It just it just never ends. The I swear to god, I've like I've uh, maybe my sigil magic has attracted the energy of uh, some sort of malevolent trickster spirit or what something kind of, because what, what kind of sigil magic have you been doing? I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about the actual results that I've been after, but I've been trying to like manifest uh, some like material situations. Uh, okay. Like, uh, yeah, you, you know, like you're still recording, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know the the old sort of like folk wisdom that like you hold your breath through a tunnel and then make a wish. And you can't tell anybody or your wish won't come true. Oh, no, I know or... all about that. Every So me and my boyfriend both have every day at 11-11 we wish together. And we don't tell... We Cute. Strict rules <laughs> to never tell anyone our wishes, even if they come true. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Not allowed. It's not allowed. Yeah. And I think that, that like, uh, I think it was Crowley or maybe it was, like, it goes back much farther, like, to... Uh, uh, levy, but um, there's the like four commandments or four imperatives for a magician, and it's to know, to will, to do, I think, and to keep silent. 
to act and to keep silent, maybe. And that, like, keeping silent is such a hard part. I mean, like, uh, maybe it's maybe it's a personal failing on my part, but I, I have so much trouble, like, not telling people about the things that I'm trying to manifest with my magic. Like, I don't know. That feels, like, sharing it feels like part of it, it to me. But it, like, I, I think that there's wisdom in that, like, folk tradition of, don't tell somebody your birthday candle wish or don't tell somebody your dandelion wish or whatever. I think well, that, that I think that there's power in superstition. So there's power in rules, you know, like if you don't, if you set rules and then you follow them all the time, that builds their power. Oh, that's a, that's a cool way of looking at it. You're yeah. like, uh, you, it's almost like you're creating an egregore out of your rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. My boyfriend won't kiss me in a doorway. He refuses. He says that it's bad luck. So. <laughs> I've never heard that one. It's a Russian one. Uh, his ex-girlfriend is Russian, and apparently she just, like, taught him to never kiss her in a doorway, so now I can't kiss him in a doorway. And he'll, he'll be like, can you please come into the room, please? Like, you can't stand there. I can't do. I can't kiss you while you stand there. And I'm like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> does that does that bother you? Like sometimes you want those doorway smooches, right? Oh no, I don't care. He's 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 weird about a lot of things. He has to like he has sometimes he he's very bad at making decisions for himself, so he has to flip a coin to make decisions sometimes and he has a specific way of doing it and I'm like, "Can we just like flip the coin one time and be done with it?" And he's like, "No, I have to do it right." Otherwise, it won't be right. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Whatever you got to do. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. In situations like that, you just got to go with the flow. You got to, I think, uh, you know, be be receptive to whatever makes people feel, like, comfortable and secure, you know? Like, yeah. It's, there's, there's no harm in waiting an extra five minutes for the backflip over the toe over the shoulder big toe coin flip or whatever oh i wanted you know? to tell you though be careful trying to manifest too many material things or doing it too many times without giving enough because i feel like if you don't in magic there's always a price to be paid whether or not you think there's going to be there's always a price and magic using magic isn't free I don't think that it's ever free. It takes something out of us, whether or not we give that thing. So if you're asking for a lot and you're repeatedly doing things to ask for things, especially material things, um, make sure that you're giving. Uh, I always try to strike a balance where I don't do magic for myself unless I've done magic for somebody else recently. Because the imbalance will mean bad consequences for me if I'm asking for a lot and I'm not giving enough. I like that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think that's just what I needed to hear. Because, like, I, I told you, like, my phone got hacked recently. Yeah. Uh, and that was this, like, whole horrible ordeal, especially for someone who has, like, bipolar paranoia that's rooted in... Uh, surveillance and like loss of privacy like yeah. i was ranting and raving about the nsa long before snowden uh revealed that you know they actually are jerking off to pictures of us in in, in the uh, the nsa they like pass around our nudes so that they can uh it's disgusting but anyway like i i was talking about those violations of privacy uh, you know, long before that, and everybody, I was a crank at the time. Uh, but now it's like just accepted it's part of life that we don't have privacy in that way. But this very specific, um, you know, loss of security on my phone felt like potentially some kind of like law of threes return on the magic that I was trying to do, where like. It, it it was just uh, I need to give more. I think I need to I need to find ways to be of service. I don't I don't I I don't think I'm doing enough of that. What, what's just, the? Yeah, go ahead. I just know that I, 
just from my own personal experience, like if you don't give anything and you ask for stuff, it whatever power, whatever force is giving you what you want is going to take a lot more than you would have had to give in order to make it equal. Uh, because you didn't put in the effort yourself to give. So uh, I just think about like all of the magicians who only have ever sought power, who have only ever taken, and how badly it has ha- ended for them. You know, all of the terrible things that have happened to them. There's got to be something to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that makes perfect sense. And like I try to I do try to be of service, you know? Like I yeah. always tip well and I I provide my like tarot readings when I can and you know, it's it's part of my personality I think to enjoy being of service. But I do think that I've lost that thread a little bit lately and it's it's maybe time to reawaken it and find ways to be more useful. My coworker the other day, I I knew I was going to be gone for the trip that they are on currently. And um, because every time I want to take a day off, it's actually two days because we work for two days at a time. And I knew I was going to be gone and she was going to have to cover the bar for me because I'm the bartender. And so I was like, okay, I filled up your little... Uh, garnish caddy and I stocked the cups and I stocked I stocked the straws and I you know replaced all the liquor you're gonna need and she was like Lily you do so much more for me than I do for you I was like well you know that's what I'm here for it's literally what I feel like I'm here for is to just do more for other people than I need myself (laughs) so I'm just a being of service that's that's how I've begun to view my life is like I I'm not the main character. I don't think I'll ever be the main character. I am a supporting character. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I love that. You you have been a huge support to me over the last hour. I think that uh, whether you meant to or not, you managed to touch on a bunch of topics that were uh, at the forefront of my mind and helped me work through some things. Uh, even even some things that I uh, didn't feel comfortable sharing on a recorded conversation. Uh, but like some of the things that you said really landed with me. It, it was a really uh, good time talking to you. And I appreciate it, that. If, if nothing else, I will definitely take this last advice to uh, be a being of service. What, <laughs> how did you put it? A being of help? Oh, uh a uh a supporting character a support yeah a supporting character i yes that uh i i hope that i have come across as the supporting character in this episode of nodes in the net (laughs) yeah we're both supporting characters and we can keep doing that i love it thanks for yes chatting with me Yes, thank you. We're we're both supporting characters to whoever is listening. They're the main character. Oh yeah. There you you hear that? You hear that? You're the main character. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm going to uh sign off here. Uh this is a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye.